0: Did you hear about the stench which erupted in Canberra just the other day? Five automotive organisations that typically hate each other with a passion got together and flapped their lips. Their own lips, dude. (laughs) Keep it classy, will you? They grabbed their crayons and they filled up their thought bubbles with pipe dreams of electric friggin' utopia. They talked and talked and talked endlessly. And in the end, the sewer just couldn't cope. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. (laughs) Even if you have to wait until the middle of the next friggin' ice age to get them. Oh, well. Website. Card. Automotive organisations reach a historic agreement on national fleet transition. On the plus side, at least they got the grammar right. It's never just ducking out for an haircut. But historic agreement, please. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That was historic. Well, may we say God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the governor And even that was historic. But this was just five professional masturbators in a room with crayons. Personal opinion, metaphorically. No comment is made about individuals. They're just there parroting the carefully considered views of their organisations, I'm sure. I'm only commenting on the positions of those organisations. This is also my honest, personal opinion. It's a completely subjective determination and assessment. The peak organisations developed and agreed to more than 25 principles. Imagine that, like five cheeses from these... Big organisations, all vital to the national interest, no doubt, and their Tiffany's all in a room with their friggin' crayons and their lip balm, nodding in unison, checking their Twitter for, you know, vital updates. And nobody can apparently count any higher than 25. Like, uh huh? uh Uh-huh? How many is that, Tiffany? You know, the uh, principles. Not sure, Chief. Uh, It's certainly more than uh, 25, and I'm not trained for that. None of us is. We normally get in the external consultants when, you know, it's a really, really big number. So I'll have to take that one under advisement, sir. I wonder what some of these agreed-in-crayon masturbatory principles actually are. Ones we could count, for example. Say, starting with, I don't know, perhaps... Number one. Embracing the electrification of the Australian motor vehicle fleet. Well done. Seconded. Let's embrace the shit out of that, shall we? Should make a big difference up front. I think you'd agree. How about we all nude up and sit down and braid each other's hair and sing kumba-fucking-ya, electric utopia. I'd enjoy that, only not with them. Five CEOs, actually four CEOs and a secretary, we might roast them in a second if you don't mind. Actually, we will do that. (laughs) They passed a resolution to embrace Electricity Supporting the federal government in developing a national zero and low emission vehicle electrification transition strategy. That's resolution number three on the we can't count that high crayon EV principles list, which is of course what this is really all about. These asshole lobby groups want to tell the government how to play it in the future because that's a way to slip in nicely anti-consumer policies, isn't it? All tarted up and wearing the right lippy so that some dipshit minister thinks it all smells like rather a good idea, such as, EV subsidies, which is really just a soundbite way of saying let's backhand the rich to help them buy 80,000 buck EVs when we're still nationally emphatically shit at fighting fires and pandemics and floods and also piss poor at taking care of the elderly incidentally. For example... It seems to me that this whole masturbatory policy soiree just reeks of being a foundational ploy to allow the tail of lobbyland to wag the dog of the new federal government. Maintaining the safety, security, service repair and efficiency of the legacy internal combustion engine fleet. That's number five of a really, really big number of agreed in crayon EV utopia principles. Once again, no personal comment is made whatsoever. Throughout this whole report, these people are really just there to parrot the positions of their friggin' lobby groups, not represent themselves personally, and it's those positions on which I'm commenting critically, and those organisations, not the people themselves. Personally, I'm sure the individuals are charming to a fault, charismatic, and delightfully entertaining as well. Hell, I'd love them to invite me over for dinner. I'd bring something if that were the case. My gift to them would be I won't be there. So let's talk about fuckwittery writ large, shall we? In crayon. Legacy, okay? Jesus Christ. I'd respectfully retort that hatred might be a legacy of war. It often is. Scarring might be a legacy of Childhood chicken pox. The novel 1984 is pretty clearly George Orwell's definitive legacy. But the Australian internal combustion engine fleet is in no way a legacy artifact of anything. This is just an objective fact. It is overwhelmingly the core mode of contemporary vehicular transportation. It cannot be a legacy artefact in a country currently selling more than one million internal combustion engine vehicles every year. Not in a country that's on track to sell more than one million of these this year, despite the supply constraints. Not in a country where five of the top 10 selling vehicles just last month were Hilux, Ranger, D-Max, Triton and Land Cruiser. Like dude, show me the electric alternative to any of these five incredibly popular vehicles. Nothing equivalent and electric is available at any price. If some mouth breather with a mullet and a flannel goes out and buys his new Ranger Wildtrak next month, it's going to be on the road for the next 15 years. That's not legacy. Calling it legacy is to finalise one's divorce with friggin' reality. According to, you know, facts, 537,858 vehicles have been sold in the first six months of this year in Australia. Only 9,680 of them were electric. That means 98% of the actual new vehicles getting sold today use internal combustion as their primary means of motive power. This is simply not what legacy looks like. This whole crayon-powered audition for Australia's biggest environmental bullshitter centres around three entirely fraudulent concepts. And you can read them for yourself in full in the release. Number one, a seemingly imminent transition to EVs. Number two, combustion as a legacy technology. And number three, the would-be role of these professional barrow pushers as ideal government educators. (sighs) dystopian, isn't it? (laughs) Let's just detain ourselves briefly with some more ontologically objective facts about this transition away from so-called legacy combustion towards green electric utopia. There are roughly 15 million passenger vehicles on Australian roads. It kind of depends how you define them, but it's about that. 23,000 of those vehicles are electric. That data from the January 2021 Motor Vehicle Census. So currently, 1.5 vehicles out of every 1,000 registered passenger vehicles on Australian roads is electric. And we seem to be on track to sell about another 20,000 EVs this year. So if I get out Harry Potter's wand and I sell... 200,000 EVs a year for the next 10 years. That's 2 million EVs out of about 15 million vehicles, passenger vehicles, by 2032, which is 13% of the national fleet in a decade, about one car in seven. This would require a tenfold increase in the number of EVs sold this year, on average, for a decade. No idea where they're coming from, and it's unlikely we could even source them from the respective manufacturers, and we'd have to convince people to pay 30 grand more or something than an equivalent conventional legacy internal combustion car. That's what this so-called transition really looks like. It will not be rapid because it cannot be rapid. If we supersize the wand, perhaps, and we make it 500,000 EVs a year starting this year, in other words, roughly one vehicle in every two sold being an EV for a decade, in 10 years' time, there will be 5 million EVs on the road for about one in three across the total passenger fleet. We'd have to go completely cuckoo's nest, like... Not that we aren't there already, right? But let's make it every vehicle sold. Must be an EV two friggin' day. Let's overlook the minor impediments that you cannot buy an EV ute or heavy-duty EV van or Land Cruiser equivalent, nor an EV for heavy towing, nor proper dingo piss creek visitation. If we just magically sell all EVs, about 1 million al- annually in a decade, only two-thirds of all passenger vehicles on the road are going to be EVs. This so-called transition is going to take multiple decades. At least it is if you have even vestigial respect for the facts. Even with proper magic The quickest this can happen is 15 years. That's 2037. And we'd have to stop selling all conventional cars right now, like today. There's also an incredible infrastructure challenge happening in parallel, right? We can certainly generate the electricity to charge a 100% EV fleet, but it will be a major infrastructure challenge to do that with renewables If we do it with coal, well, perhaps we should change the name from EV to RCV, right, for Remote Combustion Vehicle, because that's what an EV is if you power it with coal. It's an even bigger challenge than that to upgrade the local electricity supply infrastructure. If every home in your street installs a simple, single-phase, 32-amp EV charger for about 7 kilowatts of charging capacity, the kind of thing that gets you a full charge overnight in most EVs, and we all get home from work in the evening and plug in at more or less the same friggin' time, the local substation is simply not going to cope. The local infrastructure was never designed for this kind of demand. If you live in an apartment, the body corporate is going to have to approve a really healthy six-figure spend just to upgrade the main distribution board and get individually metered charges wired in to every parking spot. And the wires in the street are going to have to get a hell of a lot bigger. And then there are all the cars parked every night in the street. How the actual fuck are we going to charge them? Like, draw me the diagram, dude. We're talking thousands of vehicles across every suburb. Masturbate all you want in Canberra with your friggin' crayons and your celebratory cake with a stripper inside, perhaps. But there is currently no infrastructure upgrade plan for this. Not that I'm aware of anyway. Anyway. It's a far bigger project than the NBN, and face facts, we handled that so well. Honestly, dude, these organisations run mainly by people I would categorise as professional executives, certainly a shortage of actual STEM-type qualifications in the room, generally, I honestly believe they lack the capacity to appreciate the scope of their bullshit crayon principles. Let's just embrace EVs and be done with it. The rest is just like details. So who exactly are these people? That might be interesting. First up is Richard Dudley. Dick Duds. He's the CEO of the MTAA. There's a real double A fetish in this room, incidentally. We'll get to that. According to Gray's Anatomy, the MTAA is the human appendix of lobby groups. Dick Duds, therefore, presides over an organ with seemingly no appreciable purpose, at least not to me. Can't even describe what it does in plain English. And grammar, who needs that? Also, I think someone forgot to turn off the caps lock key. Oh, well. Next is one of my personal heroes... T-Dub, Tony Webber, seen here on tour with the Spice Girls. T-Dub is, of course, the lead vocalist for the Canberra Bureau of Toyota's PR agency, the FCAI. Amazingly, the other car makers each pay a healthy six-figure sum for T-Dub to thrust Toyota's barrow deep into the bullshit factory. Not a happy arrangement, frankly. The non-Toyota members of the Federal Chamber, i.e. every other car maker, they have these regular sort of top-secret meetings about breaking away and forming a separatist alliance. But they each lack the testicular fortitude to rip the Band-Aid off and actually break away. So T-Dub is there, notionally on behalf of the whole car industry, but, you know, oh, what a feeling. Then there's Stuart Charity, Stewie C. He's the cheese of the AAAA. There's that fetish again, but we're not done yet. The A Squared Squared. It's the lobby group for independent mechanics and, you know, businesses of that nature. It's probably the least malignant of the whole group. The FCAI hates the AAA and uh, the feeling, it's mutual. So... Getting T-Dub and Stewie C in the same room together was perhaps the singular biggest achievement, the whole damn crayon fest. Stewie is he's kind of like the Aussies at Gallipoli, philosophically, and T-Dub is more like the friggin' Ottoman Empire, only instead of bullets, they're kind of firing these metaphoric barbed wire enemas at each other. And trust me, dude, nobody wants to get hit by a B.W.E. on the beach. Nasty business. Then there's uh, James Vortman, Jimbo's slutty Bartfast. Makeover masterpiece, that man. Fair dinkum. Jimbo was sadly never cast as Lagatha, Ragnar Lothbrook's love interest on Vikings. I've always been secretly disappointed by that. The role, of course, went to martial arts Hottie Catherine Winnick. Also a fine choice. In many ways, a safer choice. Instead, today, you know, Slarty, he plays the lead of a double ADA hashtag double finish, there it is again. The Automotive Asshole Dealer Association may not be its real name. Slutty, thus, finds himself in a ringside seat presently for the fight of the century. A heavyweight title, a $650 million stoush, between three-prong and 40 of its dealers. 40 rat-sized snakes versus one giant anaconda-sized rat, duking it out over alleged grievous harm to the goodwill of the rat-sized snakes when the snake-sized rat allegedly... Threw them under the bus. He's there representing car dealers on the road to green utopia, cheering them on. Yes. Nothing anti consumer about that. And finally, rounding out this evil empire of crayon powered, planet saving EV utopians, <sighs> Rowan Martin, Roe M, the finance guy, mouthpiece of the National Automotive Leasing and Salary Packaging Association, NALSPA. He's the only dude there who I wouldn't want to fight. The rest of them, like... They'd all fight like John Barillaro versus a news cameraman, frankly. You've got to watch that video. It's hilarious and pathetic in equal proportions. Personal opinion. That's all I'm going to say about that, okay? Plus, I doubt there will ever be a martial art called... Bar-a-la-ro-do. And if there were, that's not funny, there would be only one belt. Pink. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like pink. I do. Just not on me. His new Tiffany actually seemed like a far more vicious fighter than him, potentially. Not hard. A real step forward for equality, however, seemingly. Personal opinion. Where were we? Rowey M <laughs> is... Apparently, a bean counter with an MBA or, you know, similar, in charge of the wild, wild west of novated leasing. Let us all lease our way to a greener future, shall we? Novated leasing is, of course, where your employer lets a bank robber into the vault by locking itself into a novated leasing, quote-unquote, specialist, at which point they get the knives out and fillet you systematically, typically in an environment devoid of regulation or checks and balances and bereft of all-transparency. I never thought I'd say this, incidentally, but unless employers are especially vigilant, and very few of them are, salary packaging can be more anti-consumer than anything the FCAI could ever dream up. So, well done there, pushing the boundaries. Yes. That's basically the who's who of the crayon EV policy zoo. Now, dude, in closing... Ask yourself this. If you were Anthony Albanese, i.e., a bit of a plotter but in charge and a significant upgrade, let's not forget, or Tanya Plibersek, his hench person for the environment and water, ask yourself this. If you needed guidance on green vehicle policy from the best organisations in the business, because you absolutely wanted to solve the climate problem and you needed unimpeachable advice from high-level technical specialists motivated solely by the patriotic desire to make Australia less shit. Is this the room full of successful candidates? Because if it is, dude, I'd forget all about retiring to Fiji.